While nations war with one another abroad, Americans too often war from within. All the while, the information age brings the complexities of the world into the palm of our hands. But never before has our people warred within ourselves about the basics of life, faith, family, God, and reality itself. Consequently, our homes are exchanging peace for anxiety like never before. Yet in the midst of all the chaos and insanity, there is still hope for growing a peaceful home and a generation of children who can help perpetuate that peace. Today, we'll be talking with Karen Whiting about her book, Growing a Peaceful Heart. That's next on Licensed to Parents. Hi, I'm Michelle Hill, and I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Embry, is the founder of Shepherds Hill and author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. So, Trace, families are coming to Shepherds Hill Academy from all walks of life. They've experienced anything but peace in their homes, yet they're leaving Shepherds Hill with a renewed peace, often peace for the very first time, along with what Scripture calls the abundant life. And this despite the insanity of the world around them. Can you give us your perspective on how to bring peace into American family homes? I'm not sure genuine peace is even possible, at least not to the extent our Lord desires peace for us, without having him in the equation. Mm. Scripture calls him the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor and the great physician. Uh, I'm not saying that, that one can't feel a sense of peace without ever knowing Jesus Christ. What I am saying uh, is that peace can in no way compare to the peace that Christ offers us when we put our absolute non-contingent trust in him. I mean, we can experience a measure of peace in whatever vice we might be subject to, but it's not in any way the peace of God. And I'm not saying that genuine Christians who've yet to put their absolute non-contingent trust in Jesus Christ 24-7, 365, in every circumstance that life sends their way, are any less saved than I am. There are days when my peace eludes me, Mm. but it's always because I've allowed the enemy to put the cares of this world or, or my impossible circumstances in front of my faith in Christ's ability to be my prince of peace, my wonderful counselor or a great physician. And when I say great physician, I'm not saying Jesus Christ is obligated to heal all my physical maladies all the time. It's appointed for all of us once to die. But that's when Christ, the prince of peace, and Christ, the wonderful counselor, walks us through the times that we cannot walk through without him. And today's guest is going to help us a whole bunch with that. Yes, she will. Our guest today is Karen Whiting. She is a mother of two daughters and three sons, and that includes rocket scientists. She's a grandmother of 15, and her late husband served in the U.S. Coast Guard, so they raised their children from Hawaii to New York and Michigan to Florida. She is the author of 27 books, an international speaker, certified writing and marketing coach, and a former television co-host. Karen Whiting, thank you so much for taking time and talking to us about peace today. Well, thanks for having me. I do believe peace is very important. Well, uh, Karen, what did prompt you to write a book about peace? Well, I write books to help promote 
the family and their connection to God. And when I looked back at my family, I realized one turning point. When we had too much chaos and too much sibling rivalry and no peace, I stopped and said, God, what can I do? And what he actually had me do was start doing family devotions with my husband and the children. And that made such Mm -hmm. a difference, particularly when we started praying in a very specific Mm -hmm. way that we did what I called a powwow, (laughs) pray over the worry, worship over the Mm. wonders. And what we did was we had a circle that we sat in, and one person would list one worry, one wonder, and the next person would pray one sentence over the worry and one sentence over the wonder. And I found out very quickly that when they prayed for their sibling or their parent, Mm -hmm. that... They had more of a heart for them, and they wanted to know, did their prayer for them work? Mm -hmm. And when they did the praise, they wanted to keep saying, I'm so happy that happened for you. And it changed their heart because we were bringing God into that equation in a whole different way for them. Amen. Karen, we live in a society and in a world that that seems to know no peace. Um, In fact, a lot of folks seem to feed, uh, even thrive on conflict. What's going on with that? Yeah, they do. There's a lot of anger that people have, and that's why they want the conflict, because then they can state their opinions and what they want to think without having to really listen, even though in resolving conflicts, you should be listening. They have never really grown up understanding the tools of taking care of conflicts. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to start in the home again, where... I really relied on Proverbs 2.2 as a mom to have a listening ear and an understanding heart. And in a conflict, a lot of people only want to state their side. They don't. They want to close off on the other side. And we have to listen more. We have to have an understanding of what may be going on with that person. And we also can't let things go on for too long. I've met so many mm-hmm. people that came from dysfunctional families where no one ever listened to their needs. Yeah. And no one listened to their heart. And they didn't know that God was listening to them. And we need all of that to resolve the conflicts. And certainly, we need to do the basics of meeting in a neutral spot, letting each person have their turn to say what's going on for them, as well as uh, being willing to pray and to brainstorm all possible solutions and choose one that you think is going to work the best and do it and set a date to evaluate how things went. Mm. So Karen, how does active listening, like help us understand what active listening looks like? Well, first of all, active listening is not listening while you're on your devices or while you're cooking your other things. It's to stop and actually look the person in the eye and listen to what they have to say. But it also means listening with that heart, that active listening of thinking, all right, you're saying you're mad about this, but I don't think that's the real thing. Can I figure out what it is? My oldest daughter, when she would come home from school, she would be so upset and, uh, you know, she would just start complaining about things. And I thought that has nothing to do with what happened. And it would take me a little while and doing some jokes and calming her down with a snack and everything to finally get her to tell me what happened at school that upset her so much. And uh, because you have to sometimes get below the layers because they don't want to have to talk about 
the biggest pain that's causing their problem. Mm -hmm. But you have to be able to say, I know there's something else. And other times say, yeah, what you said is probably exactly what you got upset. So what can we do about Mm -hmm. it? You know, and to respond to them with, I understand how you feel or just it sounds like you feel angry or you feel hurt and they want to know and have you help identify their emotions at times. Mm. So it almost sounds like investigative listening where you're trying to figure out the other layers. And so help us understand what does it look like to try and work through those other layers? Like what are the questions you're asking? Right. For me, it depends on that child. Okay. They all have personality. So I go to the four main temperaments, you know, the outgoing child, are they the one who's very talkative? And what do you call it? The tigger in the land of poo, you might say. And the other outgoing one wants to be in charge and in control of everything. So they're the rabbit in the land of poo. And so usually it's going to have to do with their personality so that the one who's very outgoing and wants everything socialized, all of a sudden, if she's had to be quiet and not be able to express herself, or other things or he, then that may be part of the heart of what's happening and the questions I ask are going to be more what's happened in the relationships. The one who likes control, it may be, did you have to do something that you had no say in and you didn't like that? The one who's you know, more like the Eeyore in the land of Pooh that wants everything perfect and they want their own space. It may be that somebody invaded their space in some way or disrupted their organization. Maybe they even, their sibling took their crayons or something without asking and they don't like that because, well, they break my crayons and they don't take care of them. And then you have the one who's uh, another kind of an introvert who's more of a peacemaker and what they want always is peace but they also want respect and because they tend to mm, procrastinate all the time they often especially from the one who's a goal setter and that one who wants control not getting that respect so it's somewhat looking at what is this child and what are their needs because their needs often are very much hand in hand with what's upsetting them. Mm. And so it's really taking that time to, that's the understanding heart, to understand your child, what motivates them, what hurts them the most, and ask questions related to that first for that child. Mm. You know, uh, reality TV, particularly uh, with young people, is is popular. And a lot of that stuff, along with a lot of the music they listen to, uh, seems to be grooming them for appetites that are counterproductive for cu- uh, cultivating peace in their lives. Do you have any counsel for parents as far as allowing their kids to have a steady diet of some of this stuff? Um, how, how is that setting them up for failure as far as the whole peace thing? Well, some of them have poor language, poor respect for other people. Others have competition. We don't want to have people loving one another in competition with them. We want to be each other's cheerleaders. We want to make sure we're thinking about our language and we're thinking about what we're saying and how it impacts the other person. But I see so many shows where it's kind of very selfishness and selfish-based. Yeah, and so if you have that, they're not learning to love. And, you know, in your home... 
you should be making sure you're doing activities to love one another, that you have times you're serving someone, you're celebrating one person because of something that happened, that you're serving and making sandwiches for the homeless or whatever you're doing outside of the walls of your home so that they start understanding that if somebody gets hurt, you all have some compassion for that person. And when you... After that child has been hurt and is feeling better, you process that a little bit and say, how did you feel? What do you think when something similar happens to a friend or someone else in the family? How do you think they feel? And that helps them to start being more empathetic because we don't have that. And that's where you want to go is heading their heart in the right direction. Amen. Hmm. Such an encouraging conversation on peace. We're talking today with Karen Whiting. She wrote the book, Growing a Peaceful Heart. We'll be back with more Licensed to Parent right after this. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org. Hi, folks. Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern-day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago when Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You can learn more about Shepherd's Hill. Go to LicensedToParent.org. Today, we are talking with Karen Whiting about peace. Well, Karen, uh, in light of all the entertainment that's out there, the music, we talked about that before the break, uh, that seems to uh, revel in in anything but peace, why is peace so important in the first place? I know that sounds like a simple, silly question, but I think that needs to be established. Well, I think part of it is because it connects us more with Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. Mm -hmm. And people don't always want that to happen. And it also helps us get along. But 
we have competition all the time and it starts with our politics in this country and the politics of other countries where they're competing and wanting power and they have these power grabs instead of wanting to love one another. It's basically just the opposite of what God's will is and that's what they want to live in because they want to live on their own terms without God. Their own God. They want to be their own God. Mm. Yes, Mm -hmm. they do. And they can't do that unless they put you down so they seem better. Well, what would you consider then to be the polar opposite of peace? Well, the polar opposite of peace is going to be chaos and anger and Mm. selfishness. All of that are opposites of peace. How about anxiety? I think anxiety is the one in the middle who's trying to move towards peace, but they're surrounded by that the opposites of peace. Those who, and we have a younger generation that is so full of anxiety. Right. But I think it's because they can't stand all this chaos around them and they don't know how to control it. They don't know how to respond mm-hmm. to it. We're finding we have a growing young adulthood that are moving into being gaslighters yeah. or mm-hmm. uh, narcissists, oh, however yeah. you want to call that. No, that's exactly right. And that's, that's where I was kind of going with that. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, what the what's the preeminent thing that you attribute this anxiety to? I think a lot of it is the more people had devices and had social media there and they looked at people putting up things that say, my life is perfect. Mm-hmm. And they felt, well, mine's not. And that started giving them anxiety that something's wrong because mine's not what I'm picturing here. Mm-hmm. Mm. And also a permissive parenting style seems to be the rule of the day. Uh, what has this done to, to help bring peace to homes or chaos to homes? <laughs> well, a permissive style, when there's no boundaries, no limits on children, they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And the parents don't realize that when there's a boundary and they know you have to be in bed at this time, you have to be home, I want to know where you are, and other things, they feel actually more loved and more secure. That's right. And when they are secure, mm-hmm. they don't have the anxiety. Yeah, And you know what? The kids that we deal with here tell us that on a regular basis. It's like they could teach it. I have parents all the time tell me that they just want their their child happy. Should securing my child's happiness ever be the preeminent measure of my success as a parent? No, it should not. And in fact, they have to go through seasons of life where there's difficulties in order to mature more. Mm -hmm. And they have to understand that struggles are a way of learning to overcome failures or anything else. And that will be a better goal for mm-hmm. them because then they know they need God. If everything mm-hmm. seems perfect, then they don't see the need for God. When it's not perfect and they need that prayer, they need to lean on Him and they need to say, I'm not perfect. I can improve. That gives them license to breathe a little bit and realize, I'm okay. I don't have to be perfect. Now, Karen, I hear from a lot of parents, especially in today's world, they don't want their kids to go through pain. Mm. They don't want their kids to go through any of those struggles. Coach a parent through allowing pain to happen in their child's life. (laughs) Yes. Children do need pain because that is how they grow. They need that failure. Oh, you sadistic lady you are. Yeah, right. I know. I listen. 
I had a teacher call me over my son James, one of my rocket scientist sons, when he was in grade three to say, listen, he's not bringing his homework. Can you bring it in for him? Because I told him if he doesn't get it in, he's going to get a C. And I said, well, that sounds good, but I can't bring in the homework. I said, he has to learn responsibility. Mm -hmm. And now that you have promised him a C, don't give him a B or an A because he will lose respect for you. And she mm -hmm. said, well, well, but he's my best student. And I said... It's one marking period. Mm -hmm. He's in third grade. It's not going to mar him for the rest of his life. Yeah, right. <laughs> I said, but he will learn. Well, he got that C, and he never left his homework home again. There you go. There mm. you go. Let me ask you this. Should peace ever be the preeminent measure of success as a parent? Not necessarily, because you have to let those children go through struggles. Mm. And if you think, oh, I want him to be at peace, I don't want him to have that C, yeah. or whatever it is you don't want to have happen. I don't want him to lose this game. Yeah. You know, that's not the definition of God for peace. Mm. Peace is trusting Him Amen. all the time, Amen. in spite of the difficulties we are in. Mm -hmm. Can you be happy mm. and not experience peace? Can you be happy? You know, I always think about joy more than happy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad you joy. said that. I'm, gonna, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the book that came, my 34th book, actually, that came after Peaceful Heart is Growing a Joyful Heart, mm -hmm. that the joy comes from the Lord, and it's not your circumstances. It's knowing that God is with you, there you go. and it's the joy that He gives you in your heart. And you can have that even when you're in the middle of a hurricane mm -hmm. or a struggle. Mm -hmm. You can know there is peace. And in fact, when... You're going through a struggle. You should not hide it from your children because, again, you're trying to keep them from even seeing pain and how to overcome those things. Yeah. When we had a Cat 4 hurricane and my children were younger, I can remember parents who sent their children to the grandparents so they weren't there to clean up or do anything. My husband was away on Coast Guard orders. I needed my children. I needed them to haul out garbage from, <laughs> from inside the house to help put the fence back up and everything. You put them to I work. Needed the two -year yeah, even the two-year-old had to, I gave him a little bucket. Good for you. the window and had him bailing out the sunken living room. Good for and you. My children all became more courageous, went through everything better, and if their grades could have gotten better, they basically did. These parents, when their children came home, did so much worse, and some children were actually laying down in streets to be run over, and that was a problem that we had to face in Miami at that time. And so... They felt helpless. They felt they were taken out of the equation and their parents didn't think they were good enough to help. Mm. And so mm -hmm. they yeah. had to be there. Yeah. I, I, I can, again, I can tell you from my experience, kids want to be involved. They want to help. They say they don't, but once they do, uh, the key the key <laughs> is you got to make them. You just say, there's no option. You're helping. And once they do, they, they roll up their sleeves, they're in it, and they're so glad they did. Uh, and the kids will tell you that on a regular basis. I can't get adults to believe that, but it's, it's absolutely true. Are there different kinds or levels of peace, healthy peace versus unhealthy peace, genuine versus false? Uh, can you talk about that? Yes, some people feel like they have peace because they got the better of somebody mm -hmm. or they won because mm -hmm. they cheated. And they have that's really a false peace and they don't really sleep as well when they have that. Mm -hmm. And until they confess and say, you know, I didn't really deserve this because they want to make it look good for their parents. Their parents think they did something so good, yeah. but they know in their heart they didn't. Yeah. So they don't really have that real deep peace. They just have peace in the home because everybody thinks, oh, see you're getting a good grade or see your team did well. Mm -hmm. That's totally different. It's temporal. And 
Yes, it's temporal because mm-hmm. they're not looking for what God really wants. My children knew it was much worse to lie to me than to do something wrong and confess yeah. it. And yet they can have peace even when things go wrong. I can mm-hmm. remember when Michael was on a soccer team and he was so strong. I mean, he used to kick me out of chairs when I was pregnant with him. When he got a <laughs> soccer ball to kick, wow, he could play defensive back and hit a goal because wow. he was so strong. He could knock kids down when it hit their stomach. And there was a coach on another team and he heard them in Spanish, even though he didn't speak it, he could understand it, telling them to kick his foot and get him down. Mm. And he actually got bruised one day and he talked to us about it, particularly to his dad. And his father said, well, you need to be smarter than them, but more peaceful than them. And he says, you watch and you get out of the way if they're coming at you. And he learned to watch from the side of his eyes that if two kids were coming and running, that he would just take two steps back just before they got there and they would collide with each other or swivel just before they would go to kick him so they would miss him and they'd flip over actually. Mm-hmm. And So he had peace knowing this was going to stop things. And in the end, that particular coach was asked to never coach again. Okay, because that was not helping those children. But Michael had peace once he talked to his dad about all this and realized, I don't have to fight back. I don't have to be mean back. I can just protect myself and quietly take care of things. Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace. He said he came to bring a sword. Yet he's called the Prince of Peace. Um, can you parse out the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking? Mm. <laughs> right. Okay, well, in your peacekeeping, first you start with that inner peace to be steadfast and know that I may not have peace if I'm going to stand up and say I am a Christian, but I have the peace of God when I am doing that. But I'm doing that with the sword of the word, and I'm not afraid to speak up about that. Peacemaking is a little different where you're trying to be diplomatic and try to help people and be empathetic to people's struggles and understand that even if they're attacking you as a Christian, that you still can be a peacemaker in responding with love to them. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't mean you give way on your, on your belief. Yeah. You're still steadfast. So was Jesus... Uh, uh, on a peacekeeping mission or a peacemaking mission when he cleansed the temple? Um, and did he sin in the process? <laughs> he was on a peacekeeping mission of keeping peace in the house of God. I would, but I not would, a peace. I'd see, I would argue that. I would say he was on a peacemaking. Peacekeeping is always short term. It's, it's always, uh, peacemaking is long term okay. and you sometimes have to do uh, go through a little conflict to make the peace. Someone sees me coming out of a hotel, out of a hotel room with someone other than my wife, and looks the other way, and oh, that's none of my business. That's peacekeeping. That's not helping me for the moment. But if they confront well, me, that's peacemaking. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say two things, though, that he was peacekeeping of having peace of holiness in the temple, but peacemaking as far as demonstrating to the people, this is wrong, you cannot do that here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had their long-term... And it doesn't belong. He had their long-term mm-hmm. eternal perspective in mind when all that took place. Uh, and, and yet, I, you know, I find that interesting. People say it was a violent act. Well, doesn't violence require intent? Jesus' intent was pure and long-term. And 
this is about as long longer term as we're going to have for this program. I think we're about about <laughs> done. I'm hearing the music. Such a delightful conversation, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We greatly appreciate our discussion on peace. Oh, thanks for having me on. Our guest today was Karen Whiting. Her latest book is Growing a Peaceful Heart. You can connect with Karen at karenwhiting.com. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Recently, our staff had some time to reflect on all that has been going on on our campus over the last few years, and God is so purposeful in how He is working in and through Shepherds Hill. In 2024, in this new year, would you set out to read the biography of Shepherds Hill? It's written by our own Trace Embry, and the book is titled The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. It's available at licensedtoparent.org. You know, renting a residential treatment facility for troubled teens is not easy, but God has been faithful every single step of the way. Hey, thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.